to shine. We were made to grow. We weren't made to sit at home pouting and what's wrong with the situation. We were made by God and designed to grow and let our light so shine that other people would see Christ in us. We're in the middle of this five-week sermon series called Grow. And last week was about going. And we talked about Jonah. And I find that when you read the book of Jonah, you find out that here's a guy that was about as low as they could go, running from God, wanting to take a 2,500-mile trek across the ocean to get to the other side of Spain just to escape God. But you and I know this this morning. I know this and you know this. You can't run from God. You are never out of his reach and he certainly isn't out of your reach. The second point today is this. You got to reach what God wants you to have in your life. You got to reach for it and not give up. We came here this morning at 8.30. We've already had church in this place. I'm already sweating. And, and you know, we had to really grind some things out this morning because we have a different sound man. We have a different drummer because Asia Boy texted me at 7 o'clock this morning and said, I hope everything goes well today. And I said, are you in Florida? Because I knew they were going down to Florida. And he said, and I said, and if you are, what are you doing up at 7 o'clock in the morning? This is vacation. And he said, I got up, we stopped to stay at a hotel last night, and we're going to continue to move on to, to our, our, our plans in Florida, but I just wanted to say I love you and I'll miss being there today. And you know what? I'm thankful that we had Jake, who is faithful every week to play with us, to become the drummer God wants him to be. And you know that if you're working with me, I'm like crazy, about music. I heard somebody said that this week anyway, that I was crazy. I guess I'm crazy about God. Certainly crazy about moving toward God because he's awesome. Do you know what? Somebody said once that if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. If you have this mentality that this, I, I really don't know what I'm doing with my life and I don't know where I'm going and my circumstances seem to be leading me this way and I feel depressed and discouraged and God says that if, if, if you aim at nothing, you're going to sure hit that with your whole life. And last night, our kids were over for Nick's birthday, which is next week. You might want to send them a birthday card and maybe $1,000 <laughs> or something else. And yeah, 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 yeah. He's taking Vince's place today, all right. You know, anyway, we were downstairs and we were playing, uh, playing on the keyboard. We've had the same piano for about 40 years. It's a Yamaha. It's the most amazing piano. You get what you pay for, by the way. And Nick said this. Um, he said, now 30 years from now when you guys die, <laughs> okay, First of all, I don't want to live 30 more years. <laughs> I'm barely surviving now. <laughs> but his point was, when you guys die, if there's a list of things, because Danielle keeps talking about, I want this and I want that. They're putting their claims on everything. We're not even in the grave yet. <laughs> and Nick says, but I want the piano. And you got it, man. It's been a really good piano. Right now, even, the Holy Spirit is saying to me, you were going to start to stay discouraged, but God just spoke to me before I got up here and said, there's everything to be encouraged about today. Yeah, there's every reason to be encouraged, every reason to be blessed today, and the enemy wants you not to be blessed. 
because of something, something that's out there that is blocking you from, from hitting what God wants for your life. Do you have any goals? Do you have some goals? I was telling the, the praise band before you guys came that a lot of us have these aspirations to, to do this and to do this thing and more money and more money and bigger house and nicer vehicles and all this stuff. And I would say this emphatically at my age, none of those things mean a whole lot later on. What does mean is that you stayed in your marriage and you loved your spouse to the end and you did your best to live for Jesus because then you have joy no matter what. And that is the truth. As I was preparing this week, I was thinking, what is it that keeps us from reaching what God would really want for us? Every single one of us in the room. What is it that's blocking me from enjoying life and seeing things that God would have for my life. Because undoubtedly, somebody's come in here today, and you're ready to just throw in the towel. You think it's the end. And God says, no, 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 no. One of my very close people in my life said to me, texted me last week and said, you know, you played the video at the end of the service called Burn the Ships. And he said, what if the ship is your body and your mind and things are so ingrained and embedded in your body and your mind, there are scars there that keep reminding you. And I think, move on anyway. Move on. The past is in the past. It's a new day. Today's a new day. You can see all the bad things about today, but God is in it. You have eyesight. You can see. You should be happy. You have hearing. You can hear. You should be happy. You can walk. You have hands to use. You can express love to other people. You are blessed. Way back in America's history, most of us remember from history that on June 6, 1944, the Allied forces moved into France. And I actually had to look at a map to see how this all came down. But they moved into France on the, would be the far west side of France. Preparations had been made for a long time for a very, very, very important vital landing because the Germans had occupied France and were ready to sweep through all of Europe and take and make it German territory. And we would have had a dictator by the name of Hitler for the rest of the years. It was a massive invasion that was planned and it was, it was centered on five different beach areas. And they chose the, these beaches on the fact that there was solid sand ground that they could get out of the U-boats on and attack them at the shore. And they kept it, even though they practiced for months and months, the landings, they had to be very careful that they could keep it secret because they knew that Hitler was planning on an attack coming in some other part of France, which is exposed to the ocean. And they were able to keep it a secret, and they dropped guys in from the sky ahead of time. It didn't do a whole lot to prepare the way. And if you look at videos, and if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, it's a pretty gory but monumentally historical movie with Tom Hanks. It's powerful. And so they landed on five different beaches. America had two of them, and, and our allies had the other three. But if you look back in history, you will see that there was great fear that took over with our forces as they were sitting inside of these steel boxes floating on the sea, 
heading toward the shore. I don't know if you found that video. Ina, did you find that clip? Oh, here's some pictures. Picture this as they storm the beach. When the, when the door opened on the boat, all of the men that were in the front knew that the likelihood of them being mowed down was quite high. They were vomiting in the U-boat. The fear was so great they could barely stand it. And as you look and see all of the ships and all the U-boats and all of the men, on that, on that famous day on the beaches of Normandy, some 53,000 soldiers lay on those beaches dead. Those guys that were in the front, on the front lines, they were the ones that were absolutely positive to be mowed down. Picture that. When you think about freedom in this country of ours, it did not come without sacrifice. Some 425,000 soldiers died fighting that war against Hitler. 50-some thousand. Another 58,000, I believe it was, died in a needless war in Vietnam. Young men and women have given their lives to make us free. Thank you to all of those who did. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to those who sacrificed. So vitally important to our history as a nation. When you don't realize what a blessing it is to live in this country and you won't stand for the national anthem and you're offended about everything that happens, we're in trouble. Do you see it? People don't come to church anymore because they're not committed to anything. They're committed to themselves and what's best for them. And in the big picture, I guarantee you, it will backfire. When you value your privileges more than your principles, you soon lose both. Every single week, it is a challenge to prepare and come here and wonder who will be offended and who will be changed. Every week. Every week I wake up on Saturday night and think, has it become a hopeless thing now to see people actually change? And I say, no, it hasn't. As long as God is on the throne, Jesus is still real, and the Holy Spirit is still working in this place, lives will be changed. You are so ready to throw in the towel and God says, no, you need to readjust your thinking. Just have a few simple points today because someone very near to me said, where do I start when my body is the ship? My body and my brain are the ship and they're sinking. Where do I start? You have to start somewhere. You need to start by readjusting your thinking completely. Zach, could you run and get my water over there and bring it over here? You need to readjust your thinking. First of all, I'd say this. You need to adjust your thinking to understand this. You have to give to gain. Please follow me. You'll actually get something from this. You will learn that you don't get offended all the time because someone says something and you don't like it. There is pain in gain. You will never grow unless you're hurt. You have an opportunity to respond to the hurt that you experience in your life and say, 
I'm not going to hurt others. I'm going to use that hurt to allow me to grow. You got to give to gain. Four days after D-Day, a German soldier, Franz Gokel, wrote to his family, and he described it this way. We shot at everything that moved. The beach was soon covered with the bodies of American soldiers. We, sought, we shot at everything that moves. You know, that's kind of a dangerous way to operate your life, isn't it? We just shot at everything. It didn't even matter if our deaths came from friendly fire. Listen up. The real attack on the church is not from outside. It is from inside. We are playing games all the time. We're offended, and we don't even like sitting here because you don't like me. You don't like me. You think I'm too mean. You think I'm too abrupt. You think I wasn't there for you. You think I don't understand you. Get beyond me and look at the bigger picture. I am only the messenger. I am not perfect. But you cannot get beyond that. One of my close friends said to me the other day at lunch, did you know that we change friends every seven years? And I thought to myself, not me. If you have me as a friend, I'm your friend as long as you will receive it. I can't force myself on you. I was saying the other night, it is disgusting. Please, you're not going to like a lot of things today, so just tune in, okay? <laughs> it is disgusting to look at Facebook and see how the barometer of your who you are, your identity, lies in how many people like your posts. Oh, come on now. Pastor, you gone to meddling. No, here's the deal. I see people liking things that people are doing, which is frivolous, and never liking when you text or tweet about 15 people getting saved. We are messed up. You have learned to shoot at everything and everyone. Just shoot. Just shoot. Just attack everything and everyone. Everyone's my enemy. Nobody's my friend. Uh, they're all against me. Um, my attitude toward life is just, woe is me. That kind of attitude will get us nowhere. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, right? I can see. I can hear. I got friends. I got family that loves me. I can walk. I can talk. I can be here today. I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Now look in their eyes and say, I'm blessed like crazy. Yeah, I'm blessed like crazy, and he's crazy, too. He's crazy, too. One of my friends in the church said, they were out with some people a week ago that don't go to our church, and they go to another huge church in this area. And they said to my friend, what church do you go to? And he said, I go to Rock Church in Granville. And they said, oh, that's where the pastor's crazy. <laughs> There's some truth to that for sure. No, 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 no. Can you relate to this? Stay, stay with me. Can you relate to the fact that sometimes you wonder if you're going to make it? 
that sometimes you feel so confused in your mind, you wonder what's up and what's down. Can you relate to that at all? Sometimes you wonder if you're coming or you're going, if you're going to make it through the day and blah, 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 blah. Because we all feel like that at times, don't we? Because you've lost sight of the goal. It's to win the prize. The prize where God looks down at you and says, thank you. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You made it. By the way, everything that you have is God's, not yours. He just loaned it to you to see what you'll do with it. Oh, God, you are so good. Yeah, that's when people say I'm crazy. You are so good, Lord. But what do we do when we feel like we're not making it, when we're just not going to make it, when we got off track, when we've listened to people rather than listening to God? That's what I say about friendship. Friendship is friendship. Because a friend's a friend forever. If the Lord's the Lord above. I have to sing in my messages. And a friend will not say never. Now, a friend isn't about being able to share truth with each other. A friend is a friend no matter what. What a screwed up culture. You're only my friend if I can tell you off. Really? Isn't that a condition? Those are the kind of friends that aren't friends. Friends love each other no matter what. They don't keep record of wrong. You're getting off track because you think that in order to get there, everything has to be perfect and everyone has to be perfect. And that isn't the case. And so what you're doing, you're shooting at everyone. You're just shooting at everyone. Now, I'm headed to Vietnam. Not tomorrow. (laughs) One week from tomorrow morning. I'm going to keep going there and keep going there until I can't go there anymore. The first year I went, I took 50 people, and I said, I'm never coming back, and I kissed the ground when I got out of the plane in America. God has other plans, doesn't he? Yeah, he has other plans, like he did last week with Jonah. See, with Jonah, here's the deal. Jonah didn't want to do what he knew that God wanted him to do. And I put this in my notes. That's why I had to flip back. Jonah did not want to do what God wanted him to do. He wanted to do what Jonah wanted him to do. Jonah wanted to run away from God because he hated the Assyrians. And I wrote this back in my notes from last week. It's the patience of God that allows us to run away. It's the wisdom of God that provides the ship. It's the providence of God that sends the storm. And it's the kindness of God that sends a great fish to rescue you, isn't it? God's got you. He's got me. He's got you. Joshua said this, be strong and courageous because I will lead, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful. You're not going to make it if you're not strong. You're not going to make it if you're not courageous. You're going to throw in the towel and say, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to make it. And God says, no, 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 no. You're wrong. But in order to get there, you must lose. You have to lose to win. You following me? You have to give to gain. You must lose to win. God will take something very precious to you and 
Okay, this is where you stay focused for a moment. He will take something very precious to you to see if he will finally get your attention. If you continue in your stubbornness and shooting at everybody and not liking the pastor and having this bitter attitude about everything in your life, you will continue to lose. I can promise you. You must lose to gain. And when you understand loss, and you've really experienced it in the depths of your heart, and you are desperate, you cry out for God because there's nowhere else to go. That seems tragic to us, but it's actually a blessing. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And what happens is, just like David and Solomon were having this conversation, and David was saying, I don't know how I'm going to build this great temple. I, I'm not up to it, Dad. I'm not up to it. And David had experienced such loss and disappointment because of his own sin, by the way. Please stay here. If you're experiencing loss, it usually become, comes because God's trying to get you to learn a lesson. Learn quickly so you don't have to continue to go through this loss. Yes, I asked God if I could just be the mouthpiece for him today to say only those things to you that you should learn. I, as a pastor, have to be willing to let go. People will come and people will go. It is the nature of life. Hopefully, your spouse will not. Hopefully, your children will not. Hopefully. We're in a world that is so confused right now, and we, we expect that there shouldn't be any trouble. We expect to live at the level that our parents lived after 40 years. Have you noticed that? Have you ever watched House Hunters or any of the HDTV shows? I entered, this, I entered their contest this year for that house out west. I don't know if anyone else did. I was faithful twice a day, and I didn't win. I was drastically disappointed. I figured for sure it's mine. I, just for a week or so before I had to pay the tax on it, and then it's somebody else's. But I was going to go there on vacation. <laughs> had it all planned. We were going to have some fun in that house. Like 143 million people entered every day twice, and I expected to win? Yes, you are crazy. We're hoping for something that's like this ridiculously ethereal dream out there that doesn't even exist. The reality is this. I'm going to say this before everybody here, and you know this is true about you too. I'm really rich. I'm so crazy rich. You don't want to know why? Because I have Jesus, number one, and he still has me. And number two, I have that beautiful wife who loves me and my kids who love me and you. And you. We still get to be here together. Wow, are we blessed. Oh, God, I want you to say to God, I'm so blessed. No, lift your hand up. I'm so blessed. Lift your hand. Come on. Come on. Get it up. Oh, come on. This, this is the way the ladies in the front do it. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 
Oh, Lord. Seriously. We're at a, we were at Josiah's competition yesterday after practices. It was clear, clear out by, in West Olive. And it's wrestling. It was a tournament with 12 teams. By the way, Granville took number one. Yeah! Bulldogs. All right. So anyway, there are all these mothers sitting around, Becky and I. All these mothers, and they're screaming insanely. And my wife is silent because she has this thing, like laryngitis thing. She just coughed all night last night. It's like wicked. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't want to take that to Vietnam. That's horrible, Satan. She couldn't scream. Jesus! His mother's just going crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's deafening. Why are we not that excited about God? Have you ever screamed like that about God? Have you ever been all by yourself in your vehicle and you're just, you're going crazy you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to get raptured early. I wrote that the other day and then I remembered the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. <laughs> Thank you, Brienne, for sitting here and laughing at me. This is awesome. At, not with. At. Thank you, Jed. Is that you that said that? Oh, Ryan said it. Okay. All right. Okay, Ryan, you're going to Vietnam with me. I can arrange a few things here. You know what David actually told Solomon? Solomon was worried silly about building the temple. I would have too. But David actually said to Solomon, his son of 1 Chronicles 28, 20, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God, my God, is with you. He will not fail or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple is finished. I think quitting is a nasty habit to get into. I'm not in agreement with my friends will change every seven years, and I'm not in agreement with the Christian reform and reform mentality that every four years the pastor moves on. I think we should be solid as a rock in our relationships. Solid as a rock in our marriages. Solid as a rock in supporting our kids. Solid as a rock in our workplaces. Don't think you're at the place you are at without a reason behind it. Because God is sovereign. Second point, you got to obey to overcome. You got to listen to the commander, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if she's here today, but I had a dinner the other night. I made a bunch of food on Thursday night for newer people that have been coming to our church. And there was a lady there that I've never met. And she goes here. She said she's been coming here for months. And she asked me if I believed in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, Of course I do. Can I explain it? No. No one can. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't talk that much about Jesus. Jesus is everything. Without him and without the resurrection, there's no life for us. It's over at that point. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a him. He, the powerful Holy Spirit, is in this room right now. Flip your hand around like this. You can feel him. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, there's people. Oh, Jesus, he's making us do this again. Do you have any idea that's the most exercise I've gotten in years? Oh, God. 
but you went to some stupid country western concert and nearly left your body. You know what I'm saying, too. You know it. I don't even know them all. They're all out there singing now. And I said, most of those singers started out in the church, by the way. But I want to say this. You can't overcome something if you don't start somewhere. Yeah, the person who said, well, how do I burn the ship if the ship is my body and my brain? You, you change your habits. Yes, you can't go into battle without a strategy to win. You're going to lose. You must go in with a strategy to win. So you know what happened to the guys that got off the, off the boat on D-Day? Those front guys got mowed down, but they created a path and a lump in the ground for other guys to hide behind as they were shot. They sacrificed their life. You want to have a wife that stays with you and kids that stay with you your whole marriage? Then you sacrifice yourself to Jesus Christ and you say, I will do what I need to do to create a path for my kids to create a barrier and a covering through my blood over their bodies forever. You say you love your kids, you don't bring them to youth group, you don't encourage them to be spiritual. Sports takes priority over everything. Everything. You would never give up those rehearsals, those practices, because that's important to a kid. I'm going to say this at 67. When you're 67, it'll mean nothing. Zero. Zero. We live in a culture that's cultic when it comes to things and to athletics. Cultic. Like there's something wrong with you if your kids aren't in every single sport that's out there. I think my son should be involved in sports because it teaches him discipline. But if it takes him away from God, you're done. Say whatever you want. If you operate under any other premise, it will backfire on you. I promise you, and you won't be here very long for me saying this either. 1 Samuel 15 is something that I've held in my heart for a long time. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And he goes on to say this, for rebellion, oh, 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 oh. you write rebellious things online out of hate. Stop, stop. Tune in again. If you are called of God to do something and you do not do it, it is rebellion against God. Yes? Yes or no? Yes. Rebellion, it says, is the same as witchcraft. A spell to your rebellious spirit, which will ultimately take them out too. Promise. You following me? Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. We don't like that. We don't want to hear it. But the fact of the matter is, when we rebel against what God has clearly told us to do, we bring witchcraft into our homes, into our families, into our relationships, into the stuff online. And you know what? You, this is a proven fact. You just go look. You've got a man who's called into ministry, and he's not doing it, but he's always, always busy doing other things. And then I see you like it, but you don't like spiritual things. I think to myself, you need to adjust your path or you're headed to disaster. 
Yes or no? Yes or no? Over there, yes or no? You know why? You know why pastors don't stay in the pulpit? Because if we preach the truth and you don't like it, you're suddenly gone from our churches. You should be able to tell me whatever you want to tell me too. If I'm truly delivering what God says I should deliver today, you'll take heed to it because otherwise you'll head for disaster. I'm not saying what I think are words that I want to say. I think rebellion in the scripture as is the sin of witchcraft or fortune telling and disobedience is as serious as false religion and false religion and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also said he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the command of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice instead of the Lord. Ooh, God, please, please, please. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking, some of you are falling prey to rebellious kids, your kids, other kids, friends, your friends, other people's friends, or partners in life who are rebellious and they're leading you away from God. When I was away from God and almost committed suicide at 21 years old, there was only one lesson that God deeply embedded in my brain. Deeply. Don't become friends with a single person who is moving away from God and not toward him. What are the signs that I'm moving away from God? I gave them to you. I put them on a card right here. I put them on a card so you could actually have it. There are eight signs that, that Satan is working in your life that I think are, are clearly demonic in nature. One, you've lost your desire for spiritual things. Do I know some people who even recently said, look who's following you, blah, 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 blah. They have zero spiritual desire. Be careful. Extreme frustration. Confusion about your purpose in life. A lack of peace. You're unusually sluggish, tired, and sick. A strong urge to quit. Drawn back, number seven, to your old addictive bondages. Questioning direction that was once very clear. Questioning direction that was once very clear. And so what do you have to do? You must destroy all the righteous reminders in your life. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this is very important. Stay away from people that are moving away from God. Well, what do you do if they're your relatives? Be cordial and loving and pray them back. Do not fall prey to their nonsense. You will be gone. You will be gone. I think that I don't say this patting myself on the back because I am so far from what I ought to be, but I think this, the age of people being able to listen to truth is slowly but surely gone. Anybody can mock the president. Whatever happened to respect because he's the president? Am I right? Anybody can mock any, your boss. You can't hold workers in your place of employment anymore because they're lazy. Am I right? You can't get qualified kids because they're lazy. I will soon be gone, and where are the preachers that have stayed the course all through the years? 
Where are the husbands that stayed the course all through the years? Where are the parents that stayed the course all through the years with their kids? It's frightening the day and age we live in. Very frightening. But God is still on the throne. God's still good. God is still changing people's lives. God is, is amazing. There are too many quitters. Well, I was never called anyway, really. He just manipulated me into it. Well, if I manipulated you in it, you're not going to make it anyway. Stephen Curtis Chapman sang this, and it was one of my favorite songs years ago. We will abandon the call, all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all than the sake of the call, than the sake of the call. We were called to be different. We were called to live holy. We were called to stay with God. How do I burn the ship when the ship is my body and my mind? You die to self. You submit to authority. You burn the crap in your house. Get rid of your video garbage. It's witchcraft. If, you, if you're addicted to something that you can't get rid of, do it anyway. Oh, yeah. You know, when I look out and I see you not listening, I know you are in the state of rebellion because you can't listen anymore. You have it all figured out. You're in your 20s or your 30s, and you think you have it all figured out, and you don't have to listen because you know it all. Do you honestly think that a 20-something or a 30-something has it all figured out? Yes or no? no? But there are guys in here, they actually think they have it all figured out. They're as spiritual as they could possibly be. They've arrived there. It's safe for them to abandon the call now. And I don't want to hear you talk about it. I'm sure my wife shivers as I say these things. I'm not kidding. It is a serious day and age we live in. If you as a pastor don't walk like you're walking on eggshells, you'll be destroyed. And it won't be from without, it will be from within. But it didn't change the mind of the disciples because all of them, all of the apostles, were martyred in a horrible way. So if you think that following Christ is going to lead to famousness or being a megachurch pastor, I don't think so. I think following Christ will mean you'll be stripped of everything. You will be desperate. If you feel desperate right now inside, God has you exactly where he wants you. He's trying to teach you something. Remember this, you cannot lead until you learn how to follow. A famous theologian once said, stupid is as stupid does. Stupid is as stupid does. Stupid says, I'm sick of you, pastor. I don't need that. I, I, I've got it figured out. I'm good. I, it's all going to be good. I got it all figured out, and all I can do then is just sit back until you realize you don't, because I certainly don't, and I'm 67. Yeah. We do a lot of stupid things, don't we? The problem is 
down the road, we're figuring out how we did that. What the heck to do about it now? What am am I going to do now? How how do I burn the ship when the ship is my body and my body has literally been destroyed because I've been into so much pornography and so much garbage and so much online sex. I've submitted my body to so much garbage. I've given myself over to that temporal money-making system. And that's all I think about. It's pretty sad. Stupid is as stupid does. I'd rather have Jesus. I would. Do I want a nice car? Of course, I'm not stupid. Oh, that's right. Stupid is as stupid does. Is it nice to have money? Of course it is. As long as I'm not stupid with it. Did you know that in order for us to reach the world, we have to reach one. Just one. We're down in attendance today instead of up because that's how Satan plays. I'm curious, how many of you agreed to try to invite someone to church this week? You agreed to it and you tried. Keep your hand up. You tried to find someone to invite. Okay, thank you. Did anyone get anyone to come? Was there anyone who was successful in that? Way back there, yes. Anybody else? Because see, it's all about each one reach one. It's all about that. Jesus called John, and John followed the Lord. John reached Andrew, and Andrew followed the Lord. Andrew reached Peter, and Peter followed the Lord. Jesus called Philip, and Philip followed the Lord. And then Philip reached Nathanael, and Nathanael followed the Lord. And then Jesus reached all these disciples, and they brought one and another and another, because that is how it works when each one reaches one. One reaching one. When Moses ran to the backside of the desert to work, he had no idea that he would marry a Midianite woman and and live with the Midianites for 40 years because he killed a soldier back there and he couldn't get through it. Okay, God, right now, you tell your people in the room, you can get through this. God, please tell your people in the room, you can get through this. This, too, shall pass. That's the truth. Whatever you're going through, this too shall pass. See, Moses didn't realize that Jethro was going to have such powerful impact on him. That was his father-in-law. And Jonathan had a tremendous impact on David as his best friend. And Elisha over, excuse me, Elijah over Elisha. And Daniel over King Darius. And Jesus over the Samaritan woman. And the disciples in the New Testament over Christians breaking bread from house to house. But there's also the negative because Delilah had significant, powerful impact on Samson and took him down. Be careful who you let. One last thing this morning. you got to fight to finish. One of my favorite stories, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, is a story about a missionary, and I've shared it many times, by the name of David Flood. This is one of my favorite books ever, Finishing Strong. It is my prayer to finish strong. No matter how many others quit, even if I'm the last guy, I still want to be the last guy standing for Jesus. And David Flood is the name of a missionary. He and his wife were young, and they were so excited, and they went with their baby girl to the mission field, and it was rough. It was very, very rough. His wife got pregnant with a son and died in childbirth. He left 
behind his daughter. And moved by himself out of such hurt, he couldn't stand it, to Europe. His daughter stayed in the tribe and was raised by the natives and the other missionaries that were there. Years passed and she moved back to America and married a man. And okay, here's where it gets emotionally amazing. And she said to her husband one day, I want to go find my dad. I need to tell him something. Ooh, come on now, Jesus. So you know, she, they saved up the money. They went to Europe. They found out that her dad was still there and alive. They found the place where he was living, and they went to the place where he was living, which was in a nasty, nasty old building. He was an alcoholic. Spent his life, his whole rest of his life there. Knocked on the door and said, David, I'm your daughter. He was emotionally overtaken by it. He didn't even know what to do. He was so emotionally overtaken. This girl that he left behind with the natives, he had a serious problem with alcohol. And he couldn't help but just start bawling as he welcomed her and said, I'm not even worthy of having you in my life. And she said, Dad, I've been waiting. I wanted all my life to find you and tell you something that is very, very, very important. He said, no, nothing happened. Out of the, all the time that we were there, only one young boy got saved. And she said, but that young boy became the chief of the tribe, and everyone in the entire tribe accepted Christ. Have you ever been in a place where you gave up? You literally... And you don't, even know, you don't even know why. You gave up hope that things could change. And as you look at it, you think, I, I don't even know how I, I got to that point where I thought it could never change because I know God is powerful and God is real. And maybe had I, had, had I just fought the enemy, but the enemy was so good at making me dwell on the hurt rather than what God wanted to do. I don't want to get through life and finish defeated by pain and hurt and loss. Mm -mm. Because you have to lose to win. There's nothing like losing your wrestling match to motivate you more to win. You have to lose to gain. You must understand that. What starts with one small act of kindness can become an entire movement. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Four times in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us to stand, no matter what, to stand, to stand, to continue to stand. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. He says, for our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. To stand, to put on the armor of God, put the word of God on, to get the joy of the Lord back in my life, to start seeing other people being affected by the joy in my life, to not give up on finding a mate for life, to not give up on serving God, to not give up on getting a job, to not give up on my marriage or my kids, but to keep praying until there's a breakthrough. We give up too soon. 
I was praising God last week because my son-in-law, Dan, came to church. And he came Monday night. And he was at my house last night. And their hot water is gone. And he even had to go get a, to get a shower. He had to buy a towel at, at Meyer to get to church because he didn't want to stink. And he spent the afternoon at our house last week. And if he only knew, if he only knew, You know what I'm saying? He only knew how much we prayed, how much God loves him, how much we love him. Look beyond all that negative stuff. It's under the blood of Jesus. God wants to move. We need to stand. Don't give up. Stand. Believe. Don't give in and get taken out. Pull them in. You with me? Pull your kids away from what's going wrong. Don't give in to them. Pray. Pray and pray until there's a breakthrough. Don't give up on your marriage. I decided we need to, my wife and I need to have classes on marriage because there are people that are struggling so bad and don't think there's any hope. There is hope. As long as there's Jesus.